it's an important one for sure. The value of a father in children's lives, my goodness. So we are praying for you, dads, and uh, we're grateful for you. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get started. SALT is happening this Wednesday. You don't know what SALT is, you can talk to Jason Trent. He was just playing bass, our student ministry director. Uh, it's for students, college age as well, anyone that wants to come, but it's aimed at them. Wednesday night right in here, 7 o'clock at night, every Wednesday for the summer. Uh, check it out. I encourage you to. It's a, it's a good time. They're doing a great job. Also, this Thursday night, everyone say Thursday. Thursday. This Thursday night, we are having a night of praise in here, okay? So it's Thursday night. Normally, we do them on Wednesdays, but SALT is happening on Wednesday. We want to give them their time in here. So we've moved night of praise to Thursday. It's going to be at, uh, from 7 to 8 o'clock. Nursery and kids' church will be available up to fifth grade after that. Sorry, middle schoolers and high schoolers, you have to join the big kids in here. But it's going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that. So if you enjoyed worship this morning, come back on Thursday night. Uh, we started about two weeks ago, we started our Armor of God series, and we did an introduction to the Armor of God a couple weeks ago on why we need to be armed, because we, are, uh, we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. Last week, we talked about the uh, belt of truth and how God and all his power and authority uh, created everything, and everything is under him. And in his authority, he sent Jesus to save us so that we could be called righteous, so that we could be called more than conquerors, so that, so that God can say that nothing can separate us from his love, all because of his power. And that's be all. And the belt of truth is about his love for us, ultimately. Today, we're going to be talking about the breastplate of righteousness. It's a deep study. It's an awesome study. And we're really, I mean, I mean this, is, this could take a couple, you know, three or four weeks if we really wanted to go and explore all the avenues of the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to just do one week, so take notes, read up for yourself. But let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13, which is Paul telling us about the armor of God. It says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Okay, so... Here is the second thing we're supposed to put on. This is the order which Paul tells us to go in. The belt of truth is around our waist. We know who we are in Jesus. We know that he loves us. We know that we are more than conquerors through him. All right, important stuff that we have to know to do everything else. Well, the second step in this armor of God is the breastplate of righteousness, which Paul tells us to put on. So if we're going to put on a breastplate of righteousness, we need to understand what righteousness is, okay? We can't put on something that we don't know anything about, amen? So we're gonna discuss that this morning. So the question I have is, what is righteousness? Well, there's a couple different versions in the Bible, really two very distinct ones. And the first one, is going to be seen in Isaiah 64, verse 6, where Isaiah tells us, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Good stuff, right? Feeling good about yourself already, right off the bat, right? Then in the New Testament, Paul, the same one who tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness, writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Huh, seems a little strange here, right? We have, we have last week the belt of truth telling us that we're more than conquerors, right? And that in all of God's authority and power, he created us in his image. And when we messed everything up, he sent Jesus to die for us. And we're forgiven of our sins. 
And, we, and he loves us, right? And then the next week, the next armor tells us that all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Doesn't seem to add up there a little bit. Seems to be a little contradictory. But what I, one distinction I wanna make before we go any further this morning is we need to understand that the Bible says that our righteous acts are like filthy rags, not us. We are not filthy rags in God's sight. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags because what that is saying is when we try to earn our salvation, when we try and do all the good works in the world to prove our worth to God and and by our own self, by our own doing, we try to get ourselves into heaven, it's like filthy rags. And what Isaiah is doing here is comparing our works and our good deeds on our best day ever to God's righteousness. And when you compare the two, there is no comparison. God is righteous, God is just, God is true and holy and all those things that we just sang about. And on our best day, when we are minding our P's and Q's, we got everything in a row, the best thing that we can offer is a filthy rag in comparison to God's righteousness. Yet, we try over and over to make that exchange. God, you love me, I am yours, now I'm going to work for this salvation that you've freely given me and I'm gonna give you these filthy rags. Because the truth is, a lot of us, a lot of the time, and I, listen, everything that I say today, I'm including myself in this conversation. Because a lot of us, after we accept Jesus and he becomes our savior, we continue to live Old Testament life. We continue to walk out our relationship with Jesus and this Christian walk the Old Testament way versus the New Testament way. James, what do you mean by that? I mean that we measure our walk and what we do by the law and what not to do. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. Go to church on Sunday. Checked it off the list. Had my quiet time on Monday. Look at me. Starting off the week strong. Check it off the list. Well, what did you, what did you get out of church on Sunday? What was, the, what was the sermon about? I don't really know. I was there. Right. What did you read in your Bible this morning that stuck out? I don't remember, but I did it. And I'm checking all these things off the list because I'm living by the law of what a good Christian should look like. By the way, that term more than any other drives me insane. It is made up by us. It's not in the Bible. Therefore, go be a good Christian. It says follow Jesus is what it tells us to do. And when we start trying to be a good Christian and that mentality is how we live our life by, we are now Old Testament Christians where there is no savior. We're only measuring ourselves up to the law. And let me say this, the law, the purpose of the law was never to be fulfilled. God did not send the law in the Old Testament to say, all right, here you go, you better fulfill it. His plan from the word go after the fall of Adam and Eve was to send Jesus to die for our sins because he knew our, on our best day, all we could do was give him filthy rags. So the purpose of the law then, if it wasn't to be fulfilled, why would God do it? It was to shine a light, a spotlight, a magnifying glass on the fact that we can't do it. Said, here it is. You want to know what my standards are? Bam. Have at it. Good luck. We didn't get far. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me boom, I'm out. I'm done. I'm out of the race. Before we can even get to the second commandment, I have already eliminated myself 
from perfection and getting myself into heaven. Because I tell you what, I have all these little gods in my life all the time. And if I'm not careful, they become gods before God. And I think a lot of us are in that same boat. Family, my kids, that's a hard one. Job, working out, whatever, whatever your hobby might be, watching TV. All these things are these little gods that we put in front of God. And by doing so, we've then just disqualified us from the race. And it's over. We're done before we can even get started. And we, we tell ourselves, these are good things. And a lot, listen, my kids are good. Sometimes, sometimes they're disobedient. But they're good. They're all, I love, my, they're a gift from God. But they don't go before God. And I have to check myself on that. And then there's those other things, those other gods that aren't so good, that we don't want to talk about, that are in the dark corners, that we hide. The drugs, the pornography, the alcohol, the gambling, the abuse, all those things that we struggle with that we don't want to talk about that become gods, that turn our best day into filthy rags. God says, don't put anything before me. So we don't have to look very far to see that we are not able to fulfill the law. But guess what? It's okay. You know why? Because it was never the point. So stop beating yourself up and trying so hard to fulfill the law when that was never the point. It was never the point. The law points us to Jesus. We look at the law. We say, I can't do it. God says, it's okay. I know that. Here's how you can. Through my son, Jesus. And that is where righteousness comes from. That is where righteousness comes from. There is only one source of righteousness. It is not us. It is not your spouse. It is not your children. It is not your church. It is Jesus. Jesus is the source of the righteousness that Paul is talking about when he tells us to put on this breastplate. How do I know? Here's what it says in Isaiah 59, 14, tells us about this source of righteousness. God's looking down on the world and this is what he sees. He says in verse 14, so justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. So God looks down on the world and he says, look, the world is a mess and no one on earth can save it. There is no one. Sounds a lot like what Paul said in Romans, right? No one, not even one. So he says, okay, that's it, I'm done with them. Too bad. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I am going to send my righteousness down. And I am going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I will be righteousness because that's the only source. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. And that a lot of times can be offensive to us. That's why the gospel can be hard for people to hear sometimes because one of the things you have to accept and understand about the gospel is we are helpless. On our best day, we can't do it. But the gospel also says that's okay because I've sent my son to be righteousness for you. God's not picking on us. He knows us, and then he has a solution for us. He doesn't just leave us stranded saying, sorry. Oh, well, better luck next time. 
The thing about putting on the breastplate of righteousness and righteousness in general is we are transferring trust from self to Christ. We are submitting ourselves and our power and our abilities to God. We're saying, here you go. Here are my filthy rags. Here are my best efforts and my best days. And I am confessing and admitting to you that they are not enough. And I need you. So I, rather than trusting in myself, I'm trusting in you. It's a trust issue. And it's one we all have to overcome. I want to ask you all a question real quick. Um, be, be honest with me. It's okay. There's, this is a safe place. All right. Anyone in here, by show of hands, afraid of the dark when they were little? Okay, we got one. Okay, we got a couple. Just a couple. Okay, a lot of braver people in the 11 o'clock service, I guess, than the first service. Um, I was. Any, anyone still a little afraid of the dark now as adults, a little grown up? Okay, a couple of you. Okay. You notice ne there's never that, no one ever asks, hey, are you afraid of the light? Are you, when you walk into a room and the lights are on, do you just freak out? It's so scary when the lights are on. I hate that. Turn them off. The closest you come to that are people that are not morning people. The sun starts coming up, the light comes in the window, you know, throw the covers over their face and shrivel up. Then you turn the lights on. What? Last, last Sunday was the first Sunday in the nine o'clock service. We had kids church and my daughter, who's seven and a half, my wife goes into the room, wakes them up earlier than they've been used to getting up. And she's like, it's summer. What are you doing? Like, this is, this doesn't compute. And I'm, the lights came on and she was not happy. That's not what I'm talking about though. I'm talking about you walk into a room and the lights are on and you get scared. Like that doesn't happen. I'll, I'll tell you this story. Uh, this, I, I run with a, with a running group throughout the year and there's a season where we're, we train for, for a marathon. And um, when we get to the higher mileage training runs, it's about in December and January, we have three runs at this place called the Baldwin Rail Trail. Any, any of y'all know where that is? Anybody? A couple of you. Okay. Uh, Baldwin Rail Trail is way out off 295 in Commonwealth. It's a good 35, 40 minutes on the other side of town, way on the west side. And the Baldwin Rail Trail is this old railroad track that they have paved, and it's used now as a walking, running, and bike path. And it's in the middle of nowhere, country, rural Florida. And there's no, light, no street lights on it, anything like that. It just goes 14 miles out, and then back. That's it. And there's a few streets that intersect it, but this is, it's like, you know, it's, there's farms and there's woods and that's really about it. There's no, there's no civilization really. And we do this run there because on the longer runs, they don't want people, you know, traffic to be an issue. They don't want people getting lost. And it's just an easier, mindless, you just go out and you come back. Uh, and we do these runs in December and January and we start at five o'clock in the morning out there because it takes a long time to do these longer runs and people have to get on with their day and all that good stuff. So, in December and January at five o'clock in the morning, out in farmland, Baldwin, it is da -da 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 dark. I mean, like crazy dark. And my group of the, of the whole group, my, we, they're kind of divvied up into different groups. My group goes out first. We're the first ones that start. And then the other groups kind of subsequently go out after us. Uh, so we're the first ones out there. There's no group in front of us. It's just us going. We're, we're, we're setting the pace and setting the trail and all that stuff. So any, any, you know, wildebeest that might be on the path, we're going to encounter first. Okay, you get what I'm saying? Like whatever, whatever animals might be out there or, or just people that don't like us being out there, we get to be the ones to meet them first. Okay. And this past year, there, I think it was in December, we did a run and there was no moon that day. 
So it was, normally it's dark. Well, it was, I mean, crazy. Can't see your hand in front of your face. Dark. Now we do carry flashlights and some of us have like little lights on our shoes and the headlamps, but that only gives you about a three foot radius. You know, basically you wear those uh, just so you don't trip over a stick that you might see in front of you. But other than that, I mean, you're swallowed up by this darkness. And it's, it's like, I remember in the Bible and that one of the plagues, it says they could feel the darkness, you know, it kind of reminds me of that. You can, you can feel darkness when it's, when it's all that you're in. And that's how it felt. And I remember we were running, we were a few miles in to the run and all of a sudden we just heard this noise. It was, it was a, you know, like really loud Kevin from up style uh, noise that, that we, it's just out of nowhere. And every, there's about five of us in the group and when we heard it and it was loud and it kind of broke the silence and the darkness. We all jumped and, you know, kind of did this number and, and then, you know, laughed at all. <laughs> and then, <laughs> please don't kill me. You know, it was like, we're, we're, we're cool, but at the same time, you know, I'm also very scared. Uh, and so, it was just kind of one of those moments, you know, we didn't know where it came from or if it was going to come back, you know, if it was going to eat us. We really had no idea, but we just kept going. But what's interesting, on the way back, the sun starts coming up, our flashlights are off, our running lights are off, because we don't need them anymore, because there's light out. And right when we get back to that almost the exact same spot, we heard that noise again. And you know what happened when we heard the noise again? Same exact noise, same volume. No one did anything. There was no reaction. There was no jump. Why? Because the lights were on. Because we could see that this sound wasn't a threat anymore. And when we live righteously, which means being in right standing with God, and we put on the breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness, it is living with the lights on. But when we put on the breastplate of our own doings, we just turn off the light. And if you notice, Paul calls it the breastplate of righteousness because righteousness only comes from God. If it was something that we did, he would call it the breastplate of really trying hard or the breastplate of good works or the breastplate of religion or the breastplate of practicing this or that. But he doesn't call it any of those things. He calls it the breastplate of righteousness. Because when we're, when we're covered in, in the Lord's righteousness, we're living with the light on. And we see the attacks of the enemy for what they are. And it's sad that we can have church and we can have worship like we just had. And we can sit in the word and discuss it about how much God loves us. And we're talking about the belt of truth and this breastplate of righteousness. And the lights are on. The things that we walked in with, suddenly they don't feel so bad anymore. They don't feel so heavy feel like, you know what, I'm going to get through this. And we have this renewed energy and resolve. And then we leave here, we get in our cars, and sometimes before we even get home, we turn the lights right off. And we start living in our own abilities again. That is not righteous living. So we need to put on this breastplate of righteousness and understand what it really means. And I'm going to give us three points this morning that talk about how we can live these righteous lives. The first one is when we are faced with temptation, turn to God. Turn to God when we face temptation. And I want to read this story. This is a great illustration of what it looks like to run 
from temptation and run to God. And it's in Genesis 39, verse 6. It says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master was withheld, has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though he spoke to, she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Okay, so here Joseph is, handsome, young guy. Okay, let's keep that in mind too. Young guy who's faced with this temptation of this woman, the head of the house, Potiphar's wife, rich, powerful. She's Egyptian, he's Hebrew, slave. And she wants to sleep with him. And he says, no. And you know what? He, I love his reasoning here. He doesn't say, look, I can't. What if someone finds out? What if your husband gets word of it? I could lose my job. I could be killed. I could get thrown into prison. We can't do this. He doesn't say that. He says, I can't do this because it would be a sin against God. His whole concern with this temptation is that it would be a sin against God. I think that's incredible. But more incredible than that is what happens at the end of this little bit of his story that we read about. And it says in that last verse, it says that, uh, verse, what is it, 12, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph ran away from this temptation. And I want to say this to everyone this morning, young, old, in between. One of the most righteous things that you can do is to run from temptation. Not walk, not bargain with it, but run from it. And we like to, we like to think in those moments that if we run from something that we're weak, quite the contrary. If we are faced with a situation where we know we are going to be tempted, the most righteous thing that you can do is to get out of Dodge. You got a problem drinking? and you know that there's a party going on and they're, they're serving alcohol, get out. You've been flirting with that coworker a little much, a little too much, stop hanging out with them. Run, get out. But what we like to do is we like to kind of flirt with temptation. We like to kind of leave it on the table and say, it's okay, I'm a strong Christian. I can handle being in this environment. I can handle talking to this person. Nothing's going to come of it because I'm a strong Christian. You'll see real quick how that strong, righteous attitude turns into filthy rags. Because the more that we flirt with sin, the more we will fall to that temptation. It will happen every time to every one of us. None of us are an exception. So instead of trying to fight this temptation and, and prove how strong we are, the best thing that we can do is to get out, run, run away from it. It's the best thing you can do. That is righteousness. It's submitting and saying, God, you're right. On my best day, it's filthy rags. So I better get out of here because I understand my weakness. I understand my fleshly desires. 
And because I want to be righteous and I'm faced with temptation, instead of just staring at it and sitting with it in the room, I'm going to run to you. Righteousness wants to get as far away from sin as possible, not entertain it, not make it comfortable and, and not offend it. Hear what I'm saying? But saying, get out. That's what we need to do when we face temptation. Run from it and run to Jesus. Second thing we need to do is to get in the word. We've already said righteousness comes from God. This is God's book. This is how he speaks to us. I want to encourage every one of you this morning, if you're not in the word, get in the word. Study it. Become obsessed with it. There is so much richness in this Bible. It blows me away. I can read the same psalm, the same story, the same verse over and over again, and God will give me a new revelation out of nowhere. And it's truth. It's not, and it's not a diff, it's not means what, what I read before is different or wrong. It's just a new truth because God is deep and he's awesome. Well, we got to give him time. We have to study who he is about. Jason Trent, our student ministry director, when we were doing the series on the Beatitudes, preached a sermon uh, out of Matthew chapter five, verse six, where it says, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. When we hunger for righteousness, when we hunger for God and we get in the Bible, he promises us, that will be filled. But James, it's really boring. Reading, I don't understand it. That's okay. Start somewhere. Start in the Gospel of John. Start reading about Jesus. If you have questions, call us. That's what we're here for at church. Ask someone that brought you to church. What does this mean? There's all the ways you can do it, but, but hungering for something means you go after it. For example, in my family, we, we celebrate Father's Day on Saturday because I'm, I'm here doing stuff. It's kind of a work day in the mornings. And I asked my wife on Friday, I said, hey, can I, uh, can I go get donuts tomorrow for breakfast? Because you know what I hunger for? I hunger for donuts every day. I never get tired of donuts ever. I got an amen in the back. Thank you, sir. Like if you, if you drive by Krispy Kreme and you see the hot sign on and it doesn't do something in your spirit, like, we want to pray for you after church because you need a miracle because that's a good thing. I'll tell you what, my favorite thing to do, um, this, this is off subject completely, when, when we go to Disney World, Disney story, surprise, surprise, uh, and we go to the Magic Kingdom, we walk in, the main, yeah, main street right there, Jesse, my wife, she goes to Starbucks. It's like a 30 or 45 minute wait every time, but we wait for her because she's the boss. And then the next stop for me, is to go into Tomorrowland. There's this coffee stand called Joffrey's and they have donuts the size of your head and they are amazing. And I have to try and eat it fast because if my daughters see it, they're gonna eat half of it. I'm like, this is my treat, all right? And I just spent $8,000 getting us in here. I'm gonna have a $3 donut, okay? <clears throat> I love donuts and I hunger for them. And my, the best donuts in all of Jacksonville, my favorite ones are the donut shop off Arlington Expressway and University. It's probably kind of far, especially if you live at the beach, but it is worth the drive. And so I went yesterday at seven o'clock in the morning. I was home before anyone even got up and I fixed my coffee and I sat on a TV tray, I watched a little TV and I ate my donuts, plural. And I'm not going to say how many because you'll judge me. I hungered for them and that led me to go get them. When you hunger for righteousness, Go get it. Go get it. And where do you find it? In the Word. And it's not a 20, 30-minute drive. 
It's in your house. It's on your phone. You can access the Bible all sorts of places, anytime. So go get it. But here's, here's the thing. I specifically, I was very strategic with these donuts because I knew it was going to be a long time before I got them. Y'all didn't think this donut analogy was going to last so long, did you? Uh, I got a dozen donuts. I said, I'm going to leave some. I gave some to my daughters. I gave some to uh, next door. And I, I said, I'm going to leave these for tomorrow morning when I get to church and I'm going over my sermon. I'm going to fix a cup of coffee and I'm going to have leftover day-old donuts. And I did. And they were good, but they were not nearly as good as yesterday when they were fresh, right? When they're hot and they're just made that day. Something about them. Well, righteousness is the same way. You read the word yesterday, awesome. But God has a fresh word for you today. The righteousness is fresh every single day. But you gotta get in. Don't lean so much on yesterday or the day before or the day before that. Get in it and hunger for it every single day. And God will give you something good, I promise you. Why? Because he promised us. I don't have to make it up. Jesus promised us, you will be filled. So get in his word. All right, third thing. Listen, listen, listen to the Holy Spirit. Translation, be obedient. Be obedient to what God's calling you to. Listen to those, that pulling on your heart. When you're walking with Jesus, he says, hey, call that person. Or don't go there. Don't do that. Okay, I won't. A lot of times it's as simple as that. But again, we like to rationalize things and overthink things and do things out of our own ability and our own flesh and our, and our own strengths. And so when God calls us to something, say, oh, I, I got this. I mean, don't, don't raise your hand, but ever been there? God says, oh, you shouldn't go do that. I, I got this, God. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm wearing my breastplate of self. So I'm good, right? Instead, just be obedient. God says, don't go over there. Okay. I'm not. I'm listening to you. I've transferred my trust to you. And even though I think that I can handle it, if you're telling me not to, I won't. Because I'm wearing the breastplate of righteousness. And that means being in right standing with God. And that means being obedient to what you're calling me to, even if I don't get it. Even if on paper it looks just fine. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit because you're the boss. That's righteous living. Galatians 5.16 says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There it is. Freedom. When we are led by the Spirit, we are free. This law that we were talking about earlier, it doesn't matter anymore. God's covering us. He's got us. And here's what we need to understand. This breastplate of righteousness is, is, is sitting right here. And it protects all the vital organs. Most importantly, the heart. And when, we, when, you, when you read about the heart in the Bible, it's not just talking about this organ that pumps blood throughout the body. It's so much more than that. The heart is who we are. It's our soul and our spirit. It's our personality. It's our likings and our, and our dislikes. And so when Paul tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness and he's telling us to surrender ourselves to the Lord and, and submit ourselves to him and be obedient to his calling and to, and to hunger for him, what he's saying is when you do that, God is going to protect you 
as the person he created you to be. He's protecting us so that we can be more than conquerors, so that we can do everything that he's called us to do. But sin and temptation, when we're not living righteous, it tries to destroy the person that God's created us to be. Have you ever asked yourself, this just doesn't, you you get in that place in life where things aren't working out and you're struggling and you say, this just isn't me. This doesn't feel like me. It's because it's not. It's not you. It is not who God created you to be. So we have to protect that because who we are in Jesus, we are mighty and we are strong and we are ready for battle. But we have to put on this breastplate of God's righteousness for us so that we can be protected because we are valuable to him and sin and the enemy just want to destroy us and who we're, not just who we are now, but who we're called to be. He wants to destroy who we're going to be five years from now in 10 years from now, in 20 years from now. He wants it all wiped out and it's, it's the breastplate of God's righteousness that protects us. So some prayers that we can pray. Why don't y'all stand up as we, as we finish this morning? David prays these prayers, and they're great prayers. I encourage you to write down the reference and make this part of your prayer time every single day. Psalms 51.10, he prays, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create, God, in me a pure heart, a clean heart, God, that's what I want. I want my heart to be after you. I want righteousness. I want that in my life. He also says in Psalms 139, verse, uh, starting in verse 23, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David's asking God, look, examine me because I want your righteousness. I don't want to do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. I want you. And the thing about righteousness, before, as we're talking about as armor of God, it's, it's, it's just the way God works. He's so cool because putting on this breastplate of righteousness is surrendering first. So yes, we're being called to go fight, but the first thing that we have to do is surrender. We have to surrender ourselves and our own abilities because the fight is greater than us. It's greater than our best day. But God says, that's okay. I'm gonna give you my righteousness. When we receive Jesus, we are made righteous in him. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. It is a gift given to us. And it's inside of us when we take Jesus as our savior. And the thing about breastplates, over the course of time, when they were first used till now is that they've evolved. They used to be really giant and heavy and cumbersome. And over time, they've gotten lighter, but stronger, more efficient. And as we go to the Lord and we pray these prayers, search my heart, oh God, get everything out of me that needs to be out of me. God, I lay down my dirty rags and I'm gonna walk in your righteousness. I'm gonna get in your word and I expect to hear from you. God, when I face temptations, help me to run. God, when when your Holy Spirit speaks to me to not do this or to do this, let me be obedient. 
as we continue to have that mind and that heart after God, our breastplate will change. It will get stronger. It will get more efficient and it will ready us for battle so much better than we're at now. But we have to give them time. We have to hunger for it. We have to hunger for it. And we have to lay down our efforts. And I believe there are people in here this morning that have been trying, trying, trying like crazy. You may not even realize it. Maybe you are. It's been trying everything in your own strength, in your own power to try and qualify yourself for God's love for you. The way you qualify yourself is to say, God, I receive it. Here I am. I receive your love for me. You make me righteous. It's time for you to be set free. The most freeing thing that we can ever do in our lives is to submit to God in our lives. He will set you free. All the things that you've been struggling with, that's the law. That's over. Let God change you from the inside out. Let him come into your heart. Let him be Lord of your life and he will change you. Those struggles will be less and less as you hunger for that righteousness. I know if you do it on your own, there's no reward. It's, it's, it's filthy rags. Let God do it for you. He's already done it. You just have to receive it. So will you surrender? Will you give it up? Hmm. Romans 3.22 says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, everyone. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus. It is not earned by our own doing. So today, I challenge you all, live with the lights on. Because once you do, you can start seeing the attacks of the enemy for what they are, failures. But you gotta live with the lights on. You gotta surrender your trust and give it to the Lord and put on his breastplate of righteousness and take off your breastplate of trying really hard. And he'll see you through. It's a gift. It's the greatest gift ever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you've given us this gift of righteousness. Father, forgive us, Lord, if we've been trying to do it ourselves, if we've been putting on our own breastplates and fighting the fight out of our own flesh, out of our own strength, probably exhausted, frustrated, angry, bitter. That's not you, Lord. That's not you. Lord, I pray for those in here that have been doing that, maybe not even knowing it, that they would turn on the lights and surrender their efforts to you. And God, that you would set them free from having to live up to this certain expectation that doesn't even exist. Father, for those this morning that don't know you, that haven't received this gift of righteousness that you talk about in Romans, as Jesus as their savior, God, I pray right now that they would receive you, Lord, and know that it's not about qualification. It's about receiving what has already been given. So Father, for those, I just pray right now that they would say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive the gift. Father, we love you, Lord. You are a great and wonderful God. You see dirty rags and you say, I got it. 
I'm going to fix this. You don't beat us up. You don't make us feel guilty or ashamed. You say, here's a gift to make it all better. Thank you for that, Lord. God, I, I pray too. I just want to I just pray that for those that are going to be new to reading the word, can be intimidating. God, I pray for those moments, for those in here that are going to start reading the word either for the first time or the first time in a long time, that you would bring clarity to their mind. God, that it would make sense. And God, if they don't, if they don't understand that they would have the strength and the courage to just ask someone that might. But God, let your word start coming alive and that hunger grow even more every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to add one thing. I mentioned in the first service, I haven't yet. If you're in here and there is something that you is on your heart that the Lord's just been telling you, you need to take a break from that. I want you to consider that this morning. And then if, the, if there is, tell somebody. If you rode with someone to church today, on the way home, before you get home, say, hey, this is what, when James was talking, this is, this is what I think is for me. And say it out loud. Because once we speak it, it's a lot more real. Tell, and you have to tell somebody. And then also, if there's something that you need to be doing, I need to, I need to be praying more. I'm not, I'm not praying enough. I'm not hungering enough. I'm not in the word enough. Or I need to serve. Tell someone that too. It's not just about what God's calling you not to do anymore, but he's gonna be calling all of us to more things, good things that are of him that will make our breastplate even stronger. So consider that as well. And if there's something that God's put on your heart that you need to start doing more of, tell someone that too. Because the same reason, once you speak it out, it becomes real. It becomes real. Listen, I love y'all. I'm excited about this week with Salt on Wednesday night, Night of Praise, Thursday night, 7 o'clock. There is Nursery and Kids Church available on Thursday. You can drop your tithe, bo- uh, tithe off in the box in the back or you can give online on our app or website, or you can drop it off in our mailbox out front during the week. Listen, we appreciate y'all's tithe so much. You have no idea. We pray over it every week. We pray over y'all every week. It means so much. And, and I know if it means that much to us, how much more does it mean to the Lord? But thank you for your faithful tithes. Happy Father's Day. Y'all have a great day with your family and friends. Love y'all. You can be dismissed.